0: What are we talking about? Aftercast thirty-four now. Oh my goodness, that is wild. I looked back at the uh, archives and library and saw that around mid twenty twenty, we were in the single digits of the Aftercast. So I'm just like having flashbacks of all of it. Seems um, I'm I'm glad we do it. Honestly, mostly because it kind of captures time in a bottle, just the last couple months, my feelings, a little bit of worldly news, that kind of thing, Uh, you know, all that good stuff. Welcome back, everybody. This is a Look It podcast. This is your host Elias Roush. This is Aftercast 34, I believe. I have, let me see, I have my stuff pulled up right here, tracks believe this is AfterCast Yeah, 34, almost 22 days ago, give or take when we dropped this, um, was AfterCast 33. And I can tell you, it feels like almost another world has happened. Since then, as of today, when I'm recording it, it's the 23rd of March, 2023. Today, I watched the grilling of the TikTok CEO. Uh, on Congress. So there is a relatively a bipartisan uh, grilling of this um, individual and application, but let's kind of go into it a little bit. So this is a CNN Business uh, uh, article that I have pulled up. It's five takeaways from the first appearance of Mr. Shou Chu um, before Congress. In my personal opinion, is yes, they already have their mind made up on TikTok. Almost every question they asked, they it was basically they gave him a binary yes or no answer to follow up with, and he was just shut down almost immediately as he was trying to give an answer. I'm not really sure if I 100% believe the transparency that Mr. Chu is um, presenting at this time, but with saying that, uh, you know, I really wanted to hear some of his answers, and um, most of the Cong- Congress and uh, people in Congress already had their mind made up, and uh, that that's actually one of the takeaways that uh, this article article by uh, Catherine Thornbeck discusses as well. Um, so yes, the first first thing she brings up is uh, Congress. Uh, Washington already has their mind made up. Uh, Made of tick, uh, made up on TikTok, you know they they don't like the application. They don't like how China is. A, they believe that China has direct access to U.S. information through the ByteDance parent company, which TikTok is owned by. And uh, again, if I'm getting any of this information wrong, just you know, kind of do your own do your own Google and whatnot. I'll try to uh, leave some. Uh, Articles and things that I'm using for uh, references in the description. So, uh, you know, not without its sources. I don't like to just talk out my ass or something like that. But, you know, again, if I'm getting it wrong, just let me know. But anyways, uh, you know, the the crazy thing about TikTok is just about one in three individuals, uh, over one in three individuals, um, so like one in two and a half or something like that individuals in the U.S., have TikTok or and or are active on um the app in some sort of way. I'm not really sure if that means they're active on it daily, if it's that's weekly or just hop on there once a month or click on it by accident. I don't I don't know. Um so basically they they ping-pong the CEO of TikTok around between these congressmen and women you know rightfully asking um, uh, important privacy specific questions whether you know journalists are being tracked Congress individual you know people in Congress are being tracked are the American people's location and data is it, um, is it safe and so basically what it sounds like is the data that they do have he the TikTok ceo mr chu says it's no different than anything else that another uh tech company might have such as probably google and or amazon or facebook or some sort of american tech company which i certainly believe and i i do kind of believe that they already have too much information but and it's not transparent at all. I was thinking about the other day of how long uh, Facebook has been open and around just the the iOS of, sorry, not the iOS, the OS, the operating system of, or sorry, the user interface is what I'm thinking of. The user interface of Facebook is so god-awful and the being able to change the settings and privacy feels nearly impossible for someone as, uh, tech savvy as myself like I'm constantly working in tech and working with tech and on you know Facebook type applications and every, you know, I'm on software and stuff like that I don't code or anything but I should know just about how to do all of my work all of my information and and cover and uh, decide the type of information that I want uh, to sell that I want to sell that I want to show not sell that I want to show and maybe sell eventually but I don't know um, but I do feel like it, the privacy standards on all of these tech companies are entirely—they've—they've uh, they've gotten slightly better, but it has been a slow, slow creeping to getting better. Um, I'm not—I'm not like super anti-tech. Like I feel like tech is such a big part of our lives; it's a big part of communication. But obviously, data privacy is up there just as much too. And of course, this is kind of a security check on. Uh, the tech sector. I I, I always I, I've been stressing this a lot. Um, just randomly about how things are are checkups on the individual systems, uh, such as the the healthcare system in 2020. There was a you know in 20, 2001 that was kind of a security checkup, like in showing the flaws of what happened there. So uh, this could be uh, just finally us. Uh, realizing that there needs to be a check up on the security of all social media. I know that they've been trying to push for banning TikTok for a long time. I'm not exactly sure banning this is really uh, going to solve everything, but I do think do think there needs to be very transparent measures of what is the information everything's being that's being taken, where is it going, where is it being held and you know what you know how long we need to know this kind of information, just like files. I think it needs to be very specific. But anyways, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, if I sound a little different, the um, I have a wireless mic that I'm trying to set up using my cell phone. So it might have a little bit of a different tone or sound. I apologize if you're picking up more echo than not. So yeah, the second point is that the TikTok CEO stresses its practices are no different than other uh, US tech giants and stuff like that. Um, uh, Continuing on, third point TikTok's impact on children, uh, a key point of focus I did notice it felt like every Congress uh, Individual, congressman, woman, whatever I I, I don't really know what the universal terms called Congressman, I guess Um, I, what was I going to say? Oh, a big focus was, you know save the children, save the children, save the children. Every single one of them almost had some sort of key feature or some sort of, uh, uh, like, specific topic they wanted to discuss, whether it was, you know, TikTok is uh, feeding terrible, uh, harmful information to younger audiences, and they shouldn't, uh, you know, they wanted definitive answers if the tiktok uh, ceo would decide on banning uh, what is it targeted advertising to minors which i'm not like opposed to that at all because i understand you know how advertising can be damaging to younger brains if it's not done correctly or if it's too overexposed or whatever um but there was a couple other individuals that were in congress that were showing they were like they were like mr chu basically i just downloaded a video immediately now look on the fucking screen and see how terrible this tiktok is that is on your platform that you're saying that you're going to it, it, it was i don't remember which uh congresswoman it was but uh she basically pulls up an example and it showed um, i don't know it was showing some sort of a, a, a toward violence or something like that towards uh, towards individuals, and it was shown on there, and so they were like, "This has to be, you know, taken taken out." Obviously, and the TikTok CEO was basically saying the entire time how their their focus is trying to focus on safety, how they focus on. Uh, pointing into better safety materials, how they want to incorporate the parents in on what their children are watching and stuff like that and just kind of being more proactive. I definitely think there's going to be a big whirlwind, a big change in the next few months, not just in TikTok, but also in all social medias that have to be very specific on the types of information they're taking from you. Um, One one of them was like ad tracking that I, I was really glad that Apple actually implemented very specifically like do you want to be tracked for ads on uh on your iphones and i always choose not to do that because i mean i don't feel like i need that so the other uh other part was Chu was criticized for avoiding questions TikTok said uh, congress wasn't interested in his answers and uh, i kind of uh i believe i believe that as well um yeah. So anyways, I just wanted to kind of give my two cents on that. The the actual hearing, it was super slanted. It, they, they didn't want to hear any answers he had to say. And the answers he did have to say were not a 100% uh, in the favor of TikTok. Let's just say because they were asking like, where's the US data being stored? Um, and they were saying, well, currently it's at our facility that's probably not being accessed by the Chinese government. And he's checked personally, he said. Um, and I will say, it was a fucking grilling. Like, the, they were, like, not playing around. They were just like, you know, you were under oath. You were going to um, tell us the truth. And you're going to, your your ass going to be split here in a second if you don't tell us everything. You know, where's the data? And... Um, it felt like a lot, I don't think anyone under 40 asked a question, which I thought was kind of interesting. I was like, do any of these people have TikTok? Like, or not even, I know they, do, they don't, if you're in the government, basically, if you're in any of, any of that, you, you can't have it. But, um, I'm just very curious about, uh, how much they actually know. I know that they're like, they're like anti-self-harm, anti, you know, um, uh, uh, and, and I am too, obviously, uh, I'm, you know, anti-bad, uh, bad fake news, that being funneled, that type of shit, and being funneled, basically bullshit in a tunnel, you know, bullshit tunnel, and, you know, I'm all, all for having, you know, safe practices on that, but I'm not exactly sure uh, banning the, the actual software, even after they give the algorithms and everything, the, the tr- transparent source code so that everyone can see, you know, what how you are shown different videos and stuff like that, which is a, still a little bit more transparent than some of the American companies, which is kind of interesting. Um, so I, I do got to give them a little bit of credit for having that, but they, um, you know, they're trying to push Project Texas, which is apparently... Having uh, a big facility that is going to house all of the U.S. TikTok data in Texas, which I find and in pretty interesting, pretty pretty uh, interesting in itself. Um, which I I don't have any information on what TikTok is having to do in other places. I know that we can't be the only um, country that is actually worried about this type of information being spread or us being, you know, people being spied on and that type of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm very curious what other countries are, are going to move on and if they have a quote-unquote quote a Project Texas in their mind. So, let me see, let me see, well, what else do we got? Oh, I feel a little bit late to the game, but I feel fashionably late to the game. I don't always feel the need to have the clickbaity articles, or sorry, the clickbaity podcasts and whatnot, like be the first of everything. And I'm not going to be the first of everything. So that's why I wanted to uh, still talk about it. It is still like our Super Bowl in a way. And I did watch like 95% of the movies. I was going to do a prediction poll for it about it, uh, but it just the timing got away from me I had too much stuff on my plate anyways we're doing the follow-up of the 95th Academy Awards so let's talk about the Oscars hope I'm not uh, slapping up against the ding uh, microphone over here sorry I'm s- still getting sound so let's let's continue on the the um, The 95th Academy Awards was a ceremony held by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences on uh, March 12th at the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles. I've been there. It's beautiful. Um, uh, To honor the films released in 2022. Um, Aired on ABC, we had Jimmy Kimmel coming back. It's his third time, Uh, I don't remember his, I think I remember his 90th, but I don't remember the 89th or anything, which is the 2017 and 2018th, um, respectively. So, of course, we gotta bring it back. Bagel wins, everyone. Bagel wins. If you saw it, you know it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Let's go! I'm not gonna yell so I don't lose my voice, but I am so, I am part of the community that is exuberant about this movie. It was my number one movie of 2022, and I said that it should win all the awards. It feels like an impossible picture. Go back, watch the movie, then listen to the review. You're going to love it, possibly. I'd say there's about a subsection, about 15% of people that are like, what is this? And I just don't think they're on the wavelength, and I think that's okay. But for the people that it's for, it is a fabulously just weird fucking movie on so many levels. I bloody fucking love it. I just think that it's, um, it feels like an impossible picture. Uh, So, Everything Everywhere All at Once led the ceremony with 11 nominations and 7 wins, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay for Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, and three of the four acting awards. My boy, my girl, my other girl, Michelle Yeoh, Kiki Kwan, uh... And Jamie Lee Curtis, basically, she won, I mean, they all won for having phenomenal, um, you know, f- having phenomenal roles in that uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Jamie Lee Curtis, I would say, was probably one of the one that was a little bit less speculative, or sorry, a little bit more speculative on. Some people would say maybe, it's a fa- I would honestly say it's a fantastic uh, win. But it does feel way more of a lifetime achievement win. Nothing bad about it because she obviously is super grateful uh, and I'm glad to see her win. Um, I think it was Angela Bassett that probably would have been the other individual that I would have wanted to see for Best Supporting Actress. And so... And she was phenomenal in Wakanda Forever, too. So, um, anyways, other winners, uh, we'll we'll discuss them in a little bit. But uh, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about the other movies. Um, Continuing on. Okay, so um, Best Picture, obviously, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I watched *All Is Quiet on the Western Front*. I was very impressed, but it's this this movie goes into two different categories. Okay, so we'll talk about the two different categories real quick. the The two different categories that felt like the movies that were were uh, nominated were the A category, which were the classic movies, the war movies, the the biopic movies, where you gotta you know have a, a disability or have something wrong with you or, or embody something or embody someone like a bio like a fake biopic kind of thing like a tar so um, and then you had the more exuberant roles which I felt were, were like a little bit more out of uh, out of uh, not just roles but movies that were kind of felt like from a new generation a little bit and a little bit more progressive thinking in the way of uh, the movies, so I felt like most of them could be cl- uh, classified into one of those two categories. So all is qu- quiet on the Western Front. I really enjoyed it. It was it was like the nineteen thirteen of this year, for my in my uh, opinion. But um, and Netflix had snuck that in there real quick, and so that was more of an A, um, an A type movie, A category is a more classic. Um, Avatar: The Way of Water. I felt like was way more of a B, um, which was a little bit more progressive in the uh, which they were giving more praise to, like, blockbusters this year. We had, like, Top Gun. We had uh, Avatar The Way of Water. We had, um, let me see what else we had, uh, smaller movies that were nominated as well for Big Picture. Or, sorry, for Best Picture. So let's continue on. Banches of insurance I liked it, but I didn't love it. I felt like the majority of people love this movie. And I just, I I couldn't get on the wavelength of the final act. And so I just could not give it all of the awards in my head. And that's why I just, in in my mind, I wasn't thinking that. I I wasn't, like, rooting actively against for any movie. Um, I think all of them are absolutely well-deserved. But the thing was, I was just like, I just didn't love this one as much. Um, And then we have Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. This one would be probably one I, I liked on the lower totem. I it was so much that I I just felt like a fever dream of Elvis, and I haven't talked to too many people that didn't like it. Most people I know do like it. The only person I did that I know didn't like it was uh, my aunt, who I talked to a couple of weeks ago, who I felt like was the target audience and would have been kind of the younger demogra younger demographic age at the time. She would have been growing up at the time when Elvis was um you know very popular, so I was surprised to hear someone of that generation just not be down with down with the elvis and i i to me it felt like uh i, I like i said the performance that is given there is is wonderful um i i can't remember his name off the top of my head um it, it'll will it'll come up on the best actor i believe but um he feels like an elvis variant. And it's like depressed, sad Elvis the entire time, and I, it felt like a fever dream of two and a half hours from the perspective of his crazy, um, you know, his 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 crazy producer that kind of held him on a leash. And it's Tom Hanks in a fat suit. I'm I, honestly, I'm kind of tired of actors getting in fat suits as. To win roles. Um, uh, unfortunately. We'll talk about Brendan Fraser here in a little bit. I I think the performance is phenomenal. It's transformative. We have the Penguin. Uh, Colin Farrell and all that. Uh, Tom Hanks and this. I'm just. I feel. Not that it's insensitive. I just don't. Um, I don't think it's necessary. If you're going to do it. Go full Chris. Uh, sorry. Full. Full. Uh, uh, fucking Batman, what's his name? He's a machinist guy. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I can't think off the top of my head, but anyways, um, yeah. I just think fat suits as a whole. Uh, just I'm kind of done with them. I don't think that it's way more in the effects department. Although I, we'll talk about it here in a little bit. Um, Fablemans is way more of a classic movie, like I said with uh, Spielberg being at the helm, Tar, way more of a classic style movie, I did love the performance. Uh, Let me talk about Fablemans just real quick, Fablemans was, it felt interesting to kind of look at what feels like the memories of Steven Spielberg through the eyes of Steven Spielberg. Um, It is a little bit long. The the camp is a little bit real with, um, with the mother and the mother character in that. And, you know, Spielberg clearly has a lot to get off his chest, but he also has kind of, not a chip on his shoulder, but he has a lot of uh, kind of, I think hope is what it feels like in this movie. And, um, Yeah, it does feel like the nomination was worth it, but, you know, I don't think it came away with any awards, and that feels about appropriate. The um, next movie, like I said, with Tar, a little bit more classic. uh, Kate Blanchett feels like she's, like, in a David Lynch film for, like, two and a half hours, and it feels like there's this, like, looming looming dread that's happening. Oh, my Jesus. Sorry, I have my Internet popping up with uh, God dang... Nicolas Cage coming out as in Renfield uh, as Dracula. Oh my God, he looks crazy! Holy, oh my God, I can't, I can't even focus. I gotta get that out of here. <laughs> Sorry, um, Jesus, y'all, y'all look that up. He looks terrifying. Uh, fucking, ugh, terrifying. Um, so Top Gun Maverick was the next movie. This one felt like a classic movie from back in the day as well. I didn't do a review on it because everyone was fucking seeing it multiple times. Everyone's, there was nothing really I could say about it that hadn't already been said, except for the fact is, um, you know, they actually did the shit. They went out there, they learned how to fucking fly the, the jets. The Navy was like, here, here's $50 million of jets. Go have some fun and they fucking did. Tom Cruise actually kind of becomes the, the the character he is in the movie and he he becomes Maverick. He it's just fucking badass and and it, it the practicality of it just made it feel so much of an experience. I I need to go back and rewatch it. I think it's on Paramount. Hope I can still watch it. Triangle of Sadness, kind of an eat the rich styled uh, movie, but it's kind of broken up in segments. I was very fascinated about this movie and the camera work that was done in it. It uh, it's it's kind of a dark satirical comedy, but um, I, I I didn't hear too many people talk about it. I, I'm not really sure what I can say about it except for it feels like kind of a white lotus esque, not murder mystery, but it definitely feels like this looming kind of. Uh, like I said, eat the rich, the menu esque style. I'm doing that in quotes. Nobody could see it because I'm not recording this. But you know, the menu style esque type um, movie. And so I, in, I enjoyed Triangle of Sadness. I, off the top of my head, I'm not really sure what I would give it best of uh, above these movies. Um, at, off the top of my head, I can think. So. um Let me see. Oh, and Women Talking. That was the last movie I I saw as well. That was a very, honestly, a pretty compelling movie. Considering we are essentially, it's essentially mostly a bottle film taking place all in one location. But we have some of the most dynamic actors um, in this, I think it's an adaptation Let me see. Yeah, it's based off the 2018 novel of the same name. Um, I won't talk too much about it, but we have Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Judith Levy, Ben Whitshaw, and Frances McDormand. And they are all in the same room, and I feel like it's some of the most compelling writing I can think of uh, with that ensemble cast. And if they had won, I think, best screenwriting, I would have been pretty pretty happy with that. I don't think, I don't think it came away with any wins, but I was still happy that it got nominated. It's definitely worth a look and it's um, it discusses timely and diff- you know difficult topics that um, are delivered in expert fashion, obviously by these amazing actors. So um, continuing on, we have uh, best actor, Bra- uh, Brendan Fraser in The Whale. The Whale was so interesting. Um, it walked the line of being borderline just kind of parody, but it's got that A24-ness of the uncomfortability. Is It's slightly like, is this problematic a little bit? It's... It's like, what is this a reflection of? It's, it's, you know, Darren Aronofsky is one of those directors that is always going to make you feel something. But I got to say that the performances alone, I think, are are worth the nominations. I don't think the movie is all that great, mostly because it's a very one-sided. There's a father-daughter dynamic, and it's just very. It it feels like one way for the majority of it, for 80% of it, and then it just flips at the very end. It's like, oh, my God, this is so cheap. So um, nothing against Brendan Fraser. I think he's, uh, I'm glad he's getting a resurgence. And, uh, you know, I was singing his praises in Doom's, uh, Doom Patrol. Nobody was uh, saying, hey, Elias, you're right. But um, I got to say that. You know, we had Brendan Fraser win, and I I didn't see Encino Man, but uh, I believe, uh, Ki Huan Chou was um, was in that movie as well, and he won Best Supporting Actor. And uh, along, uh, we have Best Actress uh, Michelle Yeoh, obviously super well deserved. Um, let me see who who Brendan Fraser beat out real quick. Brandon Fraser beat out Austin Butler as Elvis. Colin Farrell as Batches and Sharon. Paul Mescal in Aftersun. I meant to see Aftersun. Bill Nighy in Living. I didn't get to see that. Uh, Best Actress, Michelle Yeoh beat out. Um, Ana de Armas and Blonde. Oh my God, Blonde. What the fuck, Netflix? What the fuck? That is some grade A right there. But I got to say, Ana de Armas did give a very um very interesting and layered performance and she did transform into the role visually but the holy the adaptation into that movie is such an it's just feels like you're watching marilyn monroe be abused mentally physically all the all the ways that you would Really not want to see it and exploit it in every way that you just, like, come on. And and, and the way to do it is have Ana Del Armas recreate the whole thing. It's like, oh, this is, we got one of these things going on. So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was not crazy about her. Uh, just the character of Norma Jean and you know, blonde, Ana Del Armas. Um, but she did have a very visually striking way to lose herself in there. Glad Michelle won. Um. Yeah, so she beat out Anita Armas, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett just is just fucking phenomenal. I don't even have to do podcasts about her. It's just like, she's fucking amazing again. Done. Podcast over, you know? It's like, Kate Blanchett has already won, I think, like three or four uh, uh, nominations. Sorry, she's. Let me see if I can play this. She's received numerous accolades two Academy Awards, four British Academy film, uh, film Awards, four Golden Globes, in addition to nominations to a Tony Award and then Primetime Emmy Award. I mean, she's just... Uh, and she's phenomenal. She's 53, and she looks like she's aging backwards. Um, oh, my God. You know? She's... Uh, she's definitely a goddess walking. Andrea Riseborough and Two Leslie. So this was uh, had a little bit of... I don't know. Like there was a whole lot of debacle going on behind the two Leslie nomination coming up as best actress and I to my knowledge is nobody has said that the movie was all that great but Andrea Riseborough always gives a very good performance and I believe she probably deserved to be in there. I don't really know too much enough about the the behind the scenes of like how she how how the team was able to get in there um you know maybe it was maybe it wasn't i didn't get to see the movie unfortunately so um you know let us know in the comments if you think that, that she was at least uh, worth being nominated Though Michelle Williams in the fable men's so she's a lot of people have a problem with Michelle Williams not Michelle Williams uh, the actress but the character she's playing which is Spielberg's mother in the um in the fable men's and basically, she's just playing it super over the top. And Paul Dano as the father is just kind of playing. He's not playing it super under, undertoned, or you know, under, you know, under spoken. I guess, um, subtle. I guess. Michelle Williams is exactly the opposite. But you know, I know people like Michelle Williams. I would be way more the thing is it's spielberg directed the shit like he would know how whimsical his mother was i think you know it's hard to criticize her performance or any performance on there because the person that grew up with all of those performances was behind the fucking camera you know so it's it, i've never been almost more sure in someone in in individuals performances because not only is it like a director that was he's directing his own life but he, you know he remembers it you know he lived the shit so a- anyways um let me see uh da-da-da. yeah so key key one uh you everything everywhere all at once beat out brendan gleason and in banshee's Incher, and he was great in that brian terry henry and causeway i didn't see that but i heard it was decent He's basically friend zones with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Judd Hirsch uh, was in the Fable Men's. He just busts he's basically your crazy uncle that is in uh, Spielberg's movie that busts up in there and tells him what's what's gonna happen if he falls falls for you know wanting to be a director in art and following his dreams and all that. Um, Barry Kyogen and um, Banshees of Ventura, and he was phenomenal on that. Um, he gives one of the saddest performances in one of the scenes, and, um, I think one of the lines is, there goes that dream, or something like that, and it just ripped me to shreds. I was like, ooh, that just didn't, that, that hurt hard, you know, that, that hurt a lot. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Best directors Daniel Kwan, Daniel Schnart, by, uh, Everything All at Once, Beat Out, excuse me, um. Martin McDonough uh, for Banshees and, and Sharon, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans um, Todd Field for Tar I heard that's going to be his last movie um, not a bad one to go out on Ruben Ostlin for Triangle of Sadness now I do like the Triangle of Sadness just the way that it's segmented in almost like chapters and the way that it ends is kind of a little bit ambiguous without going too much more detail um, it still has this repetitive it just has an interesting nature to it um, I, you know I if if the Daniels hadn't had won, they were by far the ones I wanted to win. I think, you know, it's 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 down to like old Hollywood versus new Hollywood, the A versus the B slot. And, you know, it looks like the B slot won, and I'm glad that they, they came out on top. So, uh, best original screenplay, everything all at once beat out Ed Sheeran, the Fablemans, and Tar in Triangle of Sadness. Um, basically, same thing as the best picture. Um, Best Adapted Screenplay Women Talking Yes, they did win Okay, so it was based off the novel Like I said earlier in that beat out Uh, So I didn't realize All is is Quiet on the Western Front Was a novel first Um, Or it's considered an adapted screenplay Huh Okay, so Glass Onion is considered too I didn't realize they got uh, nominated So that's cool Um, Living was nominated I didn't get to see that Uh, Top Gun Maverick adapted screenplay. Yeah, I don't. I didn't realize that would be considered an adapted screenplay. Um, best animated feature: Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh my gosh, rip my heart out, Guillermo, dude! You like had me in tears like in the first ten minutes of the thing. I was like, God dang, man, just take it easy. I was like, this is going really hard for the stop motion and how much detail. I, I was very impressed by the the uh, creative talent that went into it. So I was like, this is, uh, you know, nothing to turn your nose up, at." but all these other um, movies, I loved Marcel the shell with shoes on. I didn't get to do a podcast on it, but I mean, it was cute, it was was so cute. A Small quibble at the end about, you know, there was one character, but um, I just thought that it was a very cute ass movie. Uh, Puss in Boots I've heard so many people Talking about Puss in Boots I, I don't uh, The thing is Puss in Boots The Last Wish It's It's After the Shreks And then It's It feels like the Marvel problem Where um, It's like Do I have to go back And watch the first couple movies To watch the end game It's like Or do I just jump in And watch the Puss in Boots The Last Wish And just hope it feel, I'm I'm sure it would work Just as fine But I'm Kind of a completist So uh, I don't know Maybe I'll watch them backwards Puss and Boost The Last Wish was uh beat as well. The Sea Beast was beat. I enjoyed the hell out of the Sea Beast. I love the scale and the colors and the richness and the and the um just the overarching um story was very cute of the sea beast. I thought it was beautiful. It's on Netflix. Um if that had one too. That's two for Netflix on there. That's pretty impressive. And then Turning Red was the other that was on my top ten one of the cutest movies of 2022. Um, You know, we're basically following a coming of age movie and it's just so vibrant. And it's, I think it's a Pixar film too. And it's just, yeah, Disney Pixar, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's got great music, a lot of fun for the family. I would recommend it highly. Turning red on uh, Disney Plus. Not an ad. <laughs> um, Best international film. I didn't watch any of these, so I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm not even gonna have to go. It, it, all. Oh, I did. All is quiet on the Western Front. So yeah, th- I, that obviously won. Um, but I didn't uh, watch any other ones. Argentina Close. Eo. The Quiet Girl. Uh, documentary features. I definitely didn't watch any of these. I just didn't. Ha- I didn't put them in front of mine. I'm sorry. Um, Naval N Y won that. Oh God. I hope that doesn't ruin my audio. Um, sorry if it does. Uh, I'll talk louder. Um, best documentary shoot uh, subject The Elephant Whispers. Oh, that's why Netflix keeps telling me to watch that. I didn't realize that was a documentary short. Um, maybe a, I'm going to check that out. Best live action short film Irish Goodbye. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I know about all that. Um, best animated short film The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, The Horse. I didn't see any of the other ones The best original score All quiet on the restaurant front nah, nah, nah. Beat out Babylon I really enjoyed the hell out of Babylon I gotta say Babylon was an unexpected um, It was an unexpected gem That came at the end of the year And I I watched it with my buddy Them And we were just like Holy shit This is fucking wild man and it just cranked up the craziness, uh, the one crazy night kind of thing. If, it wasn't one crazy night, but it, it it kind of felt like it flowed that way. Just It just kind of kept on ratcheting up in the music. And I was like, dude, this music action, the music sequence is amazing. And so... Yeah, so I, All is Quiet on Western Front beat the music of the Babylon, bench of Venturin, I don't remember too much on there. Everything Everywhere All at Once got from music as well, too. But It did have a good score, now that I think about it. The Fablemans was good, but it felt classic John Williams. And then Best Original Song, oh, and they performed it live. I remember watching this. They performed it live for the Oscars. The Natu Natu, Triple R, oh my gosh, Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. If you have not watched Triple R, I don't know who's out there like, I don't want to watch it. It's a three-hour movie. Oh, my God. It's too much. Basically, it's two one-and-a-half-hour movies, and you're going to want to watch every single second of it as soon as you start that first 10 minutes. It is rich with color. It's rich with story. It's... It, it it's over the top in all of the best ways it's got family it's got revenge it's got betrayal it's got romance it's got not to not to i mean what else do you need like it is got every it, it, it literally is like a over the top uh it, 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 TeleGrew is is the television uh, Bollywood for India, so it's it, let's just say to boil it all down, it is a very uh, a very exciting movie from many ways, and you need to definitely check it out. I'm sorry I haven't done a a podcast on it yet. It's a big feature to cover, and I want to make sure I get do it right. But this is the best that I can do right now. Is just definitely go check it out. This might be one of our longest uh, aftercasts. Best Sound Top Gun. Definitely well deserved. It felt like you were there. Any technical awards felt like they should have gone to Top Gun uh and or what was it? Uh Avatar the Way of the Water, just to to create an entire world like that for like ten years. So Best Sound went to Top Gun, uh it beat out all is quiet on the Western Front. Avatar Way of the Water Way of Water, um The Batman, I didn't realize The Batman got nominated for Best Sound, I guess it did. Um, And Elvis. Uh, All is Quiet on the Western Front won for Best Production Design, beat out the Avatar Way of Water. Uh, Babylon, I love the production set of uh, Babylon. And Avatar feels so much more special effects driven. I don't know how that's even working there. Um... It beat out Elvis and his 1,000 different outfits he had to wear. Um, Fablemans, yeah. Best cinematography, cinematography, cinematography. Went to All Is Quiet on the Western Front, and it beat out Bardo, Elvis, Empire Light, and Tar. Best makeup and hairstyling. Went to The Whale. And I think that's probably true, but uh, it still was like, what is going on here is, you know... Having him get in a fat suit, gorge himself, and you're telling me this is not offensive? It's like, oh. <laughs> Maybe not offensive, but it's just like, sack! It's like, come on now. Oh my gosh. Um, and that beat out All is Quiet on the Western Front, the Batman, Black Panther, Elvis. Costume design went to Black Panther. I'm glad that Black Panther won something. It was nominated in so many different things, but I didn't really think it was going to win in anything except maybe this one. So, um, let me see. Black Panther beat out everyone in costume design. Uh, Beat out Babylon, Elvis everything, everywhere all at once. Best costume design went to was not... Everything All At Once was nominated for Best Costume Design? uh, Now, that's one I'm like, all right, was that... that," They're just giving them all of them, I guess, at that point. I didn't think that they... I mean, it was a great costume design, don't get me wrong, but uh, uh, to nominate it, I don't know. Best Film Editing uh, went to Everything All At Once. That definitely... Like I said, it's one of those movies that looks impossible to edit in the time span it did. It, it, it's it's phenomenal. It was done by like a crew of like five people. The Banshees of Venturin was beat as well in film editing. I didn't know if any of the editing in Banshees was just like that notable. Elvis, the editing in Elvis was like transgressive, almost aggressive. Like it was just too much, it felt like it was beating me over the head with the shit. I was like, this is this is way too much um tar i like the editing in tar it's very smooth and there's a lot of long takes and unexpected just twists and turns and i just like it top gun again that kind of goes up there with everything all at once if that won best film editing i wouldn't have been surprised because it was, felt just impossible how it was made just they you know i think what they did is they went up there with the cameras they didn't know what the fuck they were shooting uh but they had to do it several times, and they had all of the cameras just running each time. And every time they came back down, they'd watch it and do it again. Fascinating um, behind the scenes, I believe. Best visual effects: Avatar, The Way of Water. Obviously, that I mean, it just had to go to that. It's they it, it created a, a world, and it took over ten years. Almost all of the children in there have already grown up, um, and it beat out all as quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, By Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, Top Gun Maverick so and honestly most of Top Gun Maverick's practical effects so that is the 95th Oscars roundup I hope that was interesting for everyone to kind of get a grip on where it all went I'd say my two cents on what I what I did watch for the Oscars I thought was fun um it felt like very slapless. <laughs> um, you know, everyone's kind of tired of talking about the Will Smith stuff, so it felt very clean, except for the times that Jimmy Kimmel was bringing it up. Um, but you know, that's about it. Let's uh, continue on. I do want to discuss a couple, couple of uh, individuals who've been hopping into. The chat, and I appreciate Math Thrive um, on SoundCloud. Thank you so much for uh, interacting and checking out all of the archives, library, uh, Lucka podcast podcasts, and giving your two cents, and um, you know, liking, re- reposting, and everything else in between, and supporting the podcast. I couldn't do uh you know couldn't do it without individuals like yourself, and i you know hearing that you like the podcast you're finding value in it makes me happy it makes me know that I'm at least heading in the right direction to having a very quality product and so um, keeping you mostly informed and like ten percent entertained is like my goal. So you know, I appreciate all of uh, all of your interactions and, um, and your comments. I'm not gonna be able to 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 recall all of them, but um, I'll try to respond to the majority of them on there. And um, yeah, everyone, be sure to check out you know Mathrive Math on SoundCloud if you are interested in learning math formulas <laughs> math thrive i believe what i saw was um a math teacher that was um <laughs> a math teacher that raps and makes interesting songs to help you remember formulas so if you need to remember a formula maybe go check out his page or their page i actually don't know if the uh he she they or them or whatever um but yeah i appreciate it And uh, continuing on, Um, again, Deirdre MC on uh, Apple Ratings. Thank you for rating, giving us five stars on Apple iTunes. If you're on Android, whatever platform, YouTube, Twitch, be sure to follow, subscribe, uh, five stars, repost, whatever the hell you're doing. Just support the podcast, like, all of that helps. Support the podcast. Grow. You know what to do. Just uh, like and subscribe. Patreon.com slash podcasts has uh, exclusive podcasts on there. Full podcast for the patrons. It's only less than a cup of coffee a month. What is that? Like two, three bucks. Actually, if you're at Starbucks, it's less than a less than a half and a half. Because Starbucks is like expensive as fuck these days. What's not expensive as fuck? Patreon.com slash look at podcast. That's not so, um, yeah. Be sure to check out the most recent podcast we have on uh YouTube as well. We've dropped the um, what, what, what the hell was it called? Uh, Outer Banks most recently is uh available. Uh, Outer Banks, The Last of Us, Chris Rock Selective Outrage, U Season. Four, we're about to wrap up the final season for that. Uh, Or sorry, the final fourth season finale episode, whatever the fuck. Fourth season. I don't think it's the final season, but it's the fourth season, and we're going to finish it up. We've already watched it. Um, Interesting, interesting season, to say the least. Uh, Trial of Alex Murdaugh. That's definitely something you might want to check out on uh, YouTube as well. ...on our YouTube page, youtubes.com uh, slash Podcast. You know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, got Knock at the Cabin Review, got The Last of Us. Like I said, we got them all. And uh, before we head on out the door, let's just give our two cents on the first four episodes of The Mandalorian Season 3. Um having gone back and watched the first episode of Mandalorian you know I'm not even gonna like I'm gonna talk so vague it could be really talking about any show um I thought that this show was gonna be way more geared towards uh, you know hardcore shoot' him up he don't give a shit, where you're from bang bang boom and then all of a sudden he finds you know cute little baby Yoda but I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, against what they're doing, but it is very much, it uh, feels like uh, flight of the week, fun of the week, episode of the week. And feeling like it all is leading up to something might be putting a lot of eggs in one basket. And I don't 100% think that is of top of mind right now. I mean, Favreau has our Favreau, one of the, uh, writers has already discussed about wanting to write this show for a very long time and it's like honestly I would watch it for a very long time but my expectations are going further and further down and I'm not seeing nearly as much uh, uh, engagement with the third season and I'm not sure if it's because of the fact that they are gearing way towards like families, and there's nothing wrong with gearing towards families. Families spend a lot of money. Families have a lot of people in them. Families, you know, go to Disney World. Um, but I am feeling like they are—they're they're not quite hitting the mark with the critics that need to be liking the show. So we're kind of having slightly diminishing returns with with each um season but not to a degree that it feels like we're falling off yet i don't i'm not seeing like red flags but i am seeing like um you know the i could easily see like in three more seasons that we are going to get some seriously just rough episodes because i don't know if it's sustainable you know having something interesting to go that long i don't know if it's interesting at all um I kind of like a little bit more focus in my stories and it's been a long time since I've watched like an episodic episode of the week, um, every week type show. Normally, if we're watching week to week to week, me personally, um, then it's a story that's all contained. We're going to see what's going to happen next week. It's going to follow what's going to happen next week. And, you know, for the most part, Mandalorian is, but it's just like... Way more, it feels like almost chapters in a way, and not not that that's a bad thing or anything, but it's just chapters of like a very basic story that um, I feel like we've seen these individual stories within Star Wars before. You know, man walks into a town. You know, man man has to uh, man with no name has to save save the town or save the bar or save the. Gymnasium, I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. I the the tropes in the Mandalorian are becoming a little bit more apparent, and I'm just starting to become a little bit less engaged with it. Like I'm, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to watch it, you know, tonight. I'm just like, all right, well, Mandalorian fresh episode, let's watch it. You know, it's doesn't feel like have to watch, need to watch, event watch, and I do feel like it's a little bit because Obi-Wan dropped the ball a little bit on their stuff, I was just like, "Eh, you know, this is, it could be better kind of thing. And so I, um, yeah, I just, off the top of my head, I can't really put a pen in it, but you know, you know what I'm saying. It's, not quite what I was expecting, but um, the thing is, there can be some amazing episodes in The Mandalorian, and it always draws me back, but then we'll have just kind of like some quote-unquote "kitty" episodes where we're not doing shit, fucking around, gotta go do a fetch quest mission. It feels a lot like playing the missions in games that are not even downloadable content, but it's just like little missions where people are like run up to you and just randomly need help. And it's like, all right, I gotta do this. And this. it just takes you off course for 40 fucking minutes. And then finally you're back on course, you know? I don't know. I, I, I know that there has been some really good episodes in this season. And there's been some uh, questionable episodes in this season. I think episode three, a lot of people were like, what is going on here? So, yeah. Um, yeah, Mandalorian still a visual spectacle and everyone talks about it. The The main reason I like watching it is because I have like four podcasts every week that are ready to tell me what the fuck I just watched. Because a lot of the time, I kind of don't exactly know where I am. The, the world is very expansive. I'm not sure how the average viewer knows where we are in the timeline. I mean, I feel like I have, it's one of those Westworld things where it's like, um, I have to like start taking notes and like asking people and look at the timeline and check my watch and then do the, do the formula to figure out where the fuck we are in the timeline on this goddamn show. And it's getting to the point where it's just so, so lengthy and stuff like that. I like, I, I, I question and I wonder how the average consumer is consuming it. Like, do they know where we are in the timeline or were they just watching it and enjoying it for the fuck of it? So... Let me know what you thought about AfterCast 34. I know there was a couple other things I needed to cover on AfterCast 34. We might have to relegate it to AfterCast 35. I'm just running out of steam, and I need to watch some more things this evening. I haven't watched Creed 3. Like I said, it's one of those things. I forgot to watch Creed 2, and now i got to watch Creed 3. Oh, my God. And Nerd 2 is not as good as 3. I was like, oh, my God. But John of the Majors is the third one. I liked John of the Majors. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, uh yeah let me see da, 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 da. the two guys that are behind the ceo and the tiktok uh interview if you look right over his shoulders they look like the fucking fixers they look like they don't take sheet um like if you just look at the photo the photos of them, one looks like a turkish ambassador or something like that one of them looks like a really pissed off like white stepdad that has to take a Daughter to practice And he's just like Oh fuck And <laughs> And then there's another guy Further back there He looks like His name would be like Paulie or Tony From like New Jersey And uh, Yeah I, I don't know It's kind of funny Just look, like Looking at the people Behind uh Testimony And stuff like that Anyways um, Check out, out com For all the social media links Be sure to like Subscribe Share You know what to do Follow God dang! Why can't they just say just, just support the podcast? You know what to do. Um, and uh, again, we are on patreon.com, dot slash Look at our Podcast. You can get full, exclusive reviews on there. It also helps keep the lights on in the podcast studio. It helps us create higher quality, better quality, and more quality uh, podcast. And we'll try to improve in any way possible. You let us know how we can do that. Again. Be sure to check out everyone else uh, on, uh, that we mentioned on the podcast, Mathis. That's uh, thank you for interacting and always uh, giving us a boost during the week. We appreciate you, everyone else. Uh, Stace X O X um, O on Twitch. I appreciate you uh, hopping on the Twitch chat and hanging out with me a few times on there. There is a great Twitch community on the uh, the Double Toasted that has flooded over a little bit to the Lugardo Podcast viewership and I appreciate every single one of you and the new ones that are still finding us too uh, no matter how you're finding us um you know just uh give us a little tap little thumbs up little, little subscribe little uh little nudge let us know we're doing all right and uh oh my god what the shit is that someone has made some fucked up rubber ear iPhone holder, that is the most fucked up shit I've seen in a minute. Oh my god, I gotta get out of here. I'm I'm I've officially decided I gotta turn off Facebook while I'm casting. I can't I can't auto scroll this shit in. Oh yeah, I wanted to uh watch Swarm on Amazon Prime, the new childish Gambino. That's what I'm gonna watch here now. So hopefully we'll get a little podcast out about that here soon too. Alright everyone, you know what to do? Take, 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 take a D. Take, 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 take a D's. Oh, yeah. Ahmed Best and Mandal- uh, Mandalorian. Ah, oh, dude. Dude coming back. Dude coming back like he never lived. Dude, dude coming back like he never lived. Hey, look at the podcast. Never lived. Hey, 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 hey. I really hope that this audio sounded okay because it's uh, really convenient to podcast like this one. All right.